Hi, throw me. My name's Tom Atkins. You are listening to Horror Homeschool. back to Horror Homeschool. I'm Chris. And I'm Ashley. How you doing, Ashley? I'm good. I've had a very, uh, quite a lazy day, so I'm alright. <laughs> I'm the opposite. I'm absolutely exhausted. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. It's, uh, we're both going through it at the moment, aren't we? Yeah. Um, you know, just a little peek behind the curtain for the listeners. Um, it's been quite difficult to schedule these two December episodes. Um, Ashley and I both work in retail, so it's our busiest and most like hellish period in the Seriously. year. Seriously, <laughs> so it's hard enough anyway sometimes to schedule with like the six-hour time difference. But Christmas overtime working schedules just add to that. So we've had to pull a couple of late-night recording sessions for me at least. I'm sorry, I could do a late night if you wanted me to. <laughs> well, <laughs> but that means that it would be like super early morning for me. Um, oh yeah, that's true. Because right now it's like a respectable time for you, isn't it? Like yeah, it's only five, a little after five. Um, but yeah, it's it works crazy at the moment. Um, but the weather here is crazy as well. Like it's like full on storm season over here. Like we've had a couple of crazy storms. Yikes! Um, by the UK standard, anyway. Um, we've had like trees blown over and lampposts blown over. Oh gosh! Um, my next door neighbour's fence has been absolutely obliterated. There's like <laughs> planks of wood flying around the place. It's crazy. But yeah, we're here to relax and unwind and have some fun and talk about the next movie in the Scream franchise, Scream Three. <laughs> um, but before we do that, a couple of things I want to mention. Uh, we've had lots of Creed feedback from the last episode. Oh. Or as I like to call it, Creed back. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible, I know. Um, that <laughs> so, yeah, a great I put a little sound joke, effect though. in. Great dad joke. Oh yeah, I'm full of dad jokes. Um, so yeah, Ryan Horn, he hates Creed, um, <gasps> but he said that's due to the Judaism. Uh, so that makes sense. Uh, they're well, they're very Christian bands. So yeah, <laughs> makes sense that okay. a Jewish guy wouldn't like them. Yeah, I can see um, that. And Field Mouse, uh, he said that his first high school band covered higher in a high school talent show, which is like the coolest thing I've ever heard. I know, he told me that and I was like, oh my god, that's awesome. But didn't he say that he did it as a joke? He said that they didn't actually get to perform it or something because the drums were too loud. Said they were too loud. (laughs) That's so funny. Um,. But yeah, he said that he's not really a Creed fan either, um, and he doesn't like 
Scott Stapp. Is that how you pronounce his mm-hmm. name? Um, I think he's a dodgy dude, isn't he? He's done some things, but I he, can't he remember. He was. I mean, he used to be heavily into drugs, and then he had like a mental breakdown and all this stuff. But we're talking about uh, Scott here, not Field Mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, I mean, no well. judging. Yeah. <laughs> and then um, he, I think he's pretty much better now. Um, yeah, we got to see him live. Oh shit! You've oh. seen Creed live. Well, it was just Scott Stapp and his band. Oh, but they, they played Creed, Creed song, <laughs> so Sick. basically Creed without Mark. I love, I love but, the uh, fact that we're just like five minutes into the episode and we're already talking about Creed, I know. and it's already going to be a Creed heavy episode <laughs> because of Scream Three. So yeah, we have this thing in in Austin called Bat Fest because Austin's well known for these bats that live under a bridge and all this stuff. So whoa, <clears throat> they have a they have it each year except for last year, but. And this year, I think they canceled it too. But uh, so Scott Stapp played one year, and we went and saw him. And um, his wife was pregnant at the time, and they decided to do the gender reveal on stage, and it was really <laughs> awesome. And like, I don't know, I started wow. crying, of course, because it was just all emotional and playing Creed songs. And I'm like, my 14 year old self inside is yes. <laughs> That's incredible. That is so funny. Um, but yeah, back to Ryan Horn. So oh. this this was fantastic. So he told me he's in he was in a fraternity. Oh. So um, he said he he was even pr- president of the fraternity in his senior year. Huh. So um, but he said it was a small Jewish fraternity, and nothing like the stereotypical oh. things that you see on the movies and TV. Hmm. So. But yeah, that, but I did you, that was amazing. So what do they? I mean, what's what's the what's the point of them? What do they do? <laughs> I mean, are they I, I are they just like social clubs? Like you know, I guess people have clubs in high school, right? Is it just a social club? I don't understand. I don't get it. Yeah, I didn't. Um, I didn't ask him any more questions because I was I was busy at the time when that message came through, <laughs> so I didn't ask any follow up questions. But definitely send some stuff through, dude, on like exactly what you were involved in and what it was all about. Uh, obviously didn't have keg stands and all the crazy things we see in Scream 2 but um, yeah I'm still very fascinated by your Jewish fraternity so tell me more um, so yeah that's all the, uh, the the creed back and the housekeeping out of the way so let's talk about Scream 3 alright let's ready. get into it yeah so Scream 3 released in the year 2000 so it was three years after Scream 2 so this one took a lot longer to come out um, directed by Wes Craven and written by someone different this time his name is Aaron Kruger and I swear that's a real person not a Wes Craven character because <laughs> I was like what is this name um, apparently they wrote The Ring 1 and 2 remakes and some Transformers movies and they also produced it on Scream 4 um, so initial thoughts on Scream 3 Ashley well, Scream 3 is not my favorite. I no. had a hard time watching it today. I don't know if it was my attention span or whatnot, mm. but it was rough. I almost didn't want to finish Ooh. it. Oh, shit. Wow. It's just... There's things I do like about it. I'll say that mm-hmm. So once we get into it. But it's just, it's definitely not my favorite. I like the other three better than I like this one. Okay. So... 
spoilers, but I agree with you on the last point. Um, however, for me, it's like picking your least favourite child. Like, I love them all a lot. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's got to be one that you like the least. Yeah. Saying that, like, I fall in love with this film more and more each time I watch it. Like, it's silly and charming, and it's just really grown on me, like, especially in the past couple of years. Um, I mean, it doesn't have the same writer as the first yeah, two. Yeah, and that's so very... You can very, tell. Uh, it's it's yeah. very evident. Yeah. Um, and it also explains the lack of comedy compared to the first two. Um, it doesn't have the same, like, great dialogue either. Yeah. Or, like, it's not witty or playful the same as those two. Yeah, that might um, be what it is. It might be just the fact that, like, you know, you're just so used to that and you come into this whole different vibe of the movie and you're just like, no, yeah. second. Yeah, so. it's a t- it is a totally different vibe. Although it's still very 90s and you've still got the same characters. It is a de- definitely a different vibe. Like, for starters, there's a whole different dynamic. Um, there's not, like, a group of friends that you're following or anything like, like that. You know, it's quite different and disjointed in that way mm-hmm. um, but yeah I think the dialogue isn't as good you know um, but I mean I, I still think that Scream 3 is probably still better than 95% of slashers we get today I'll agree with that yeah no, no that's right because it's still it's still up there I mean it's still like a, it's solid you know alone but it's just I don't know I guess if I had to choose to watch a Scream movie, it definitely wouldn't be Scream 3. <laughs> I mean, it's got its usual, like, slick production. Like, yeah, it's very no, well put together sure. and good use of music there. And it delivers some, like, scares and thrills, you know, and it's always good to see the original cast line up. Yeah, you know, for sure. Everyone's on form. Uh, some good newcomers as well. Um, you know, you get Neve Campbell giving it a really good performance. I especially like her in this one. Yeah. Um, and Parker Posey, she's a really good addition. She gives a lot of much-needed humour in this movie. Yeah, I really, I really like Parker Posey. I think she's very, a very unique actress. Some movies I've seen her. She in, is. Very... I've not seen her in much at all. In fact, I think I've only seen her in this. And uh, oh fuck, it's, I'm sure it's another horror. Yeah, it's Blade. It was one of the Blade sequels that she was in, I've never and she seen wasn't Blade. like very. She wasn't very good in it. Oh, we got to do Blade. <laughs> Just the first one because they kind of tail off after that. Mm. Um, but actually, the, I think it's the third one. Ryan Reynolds is in it, and it's worth watching just for him alone because he kind of like saves the movie. Um, but yeah, in this one, yeah, we get David Arquette and Courtney Cox. They both return. Both solid performances from them. Um, I mean, some of the scenes with them, like they're not not as good. They don't feel as good as the others um, from Scream One and Two. Like, and it's ironic because they're actually a couple in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, but I honestly think that was because a lot of the brilliant dialogue was missing um, from the writing. Yeah. Um, but saying that, I think this movie does have a lot of like clever moments, and it's a lot of fun. You know, it's got like suspense and mystery. I mean, sometimes it goes a bit overboard, um, but. I think it's genuinely a good film. Um, I think it works overall very well as a sequel and an end cap to the trilogy, as it was at the time, um, until, well, it was over 10 years later until Scream 4 was released. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I really like it. I guess if, if 
for instance, um, you know, I didn't know that there was going to be a fourth one or whatever. I feel like I would be, like, a lot more into it. But the fact that I, for some reason, really, really enjoyed the fourth one. Um, yeah, because you know it's going to get better after this. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we're a little bit, little bit different opinion on that, but we still both agree it's a good movie. Yeah, for sure. I just like it a lot more than you. Yeah, you do. <laughs> like I said, I was so struggling. Should we, so should we get stuck into the movie then? Um, sure. I've got some facts to discuss, like, but um, I'll talk about that as as we get to them, uh, the parts in the movie, because I've I've watched the the commentary with uh, Wes, uh, a producer and an editor. Um, so yeah, I'll nice. interject what I've learned through that. Um, so. The opening scene, we get. Uh, oh, hang on, I haven't done like any of my usual stuff, uh, <laughs> synopsis and all that. No, it doesn't really matter. No one cares. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been missing off a few things in my notes because I've been sort of like clambering to to do these quickly recently. And like yeah. Ryan Holm was like, because I, I I told him, well, everyone was going nuts that I watched Gremlins for the very first time the other day, and. Uh, he was like, oh, I can't believe you've not seen it before and I thought it would, like, tick all of your horror movie must-have boxes. And I was like, you know, do you know what? Like, I haven't actually had them on, like, the past couple of episodes. I think I've just deleted them off my notes. And he was like, yeah, whatever shit you talk about. So. <laughs> I haven't seen Grimmins either, remember. so... Oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll do some Christmas horror movies next year. But I just wanted to get the Scream ones done with the new movie coming out. Oh yeah, yeah we'll for definitely. Sure. Which I'm we'll totally do. stoked for. Holy crap! Yes, yes, it's uh, it's exciting. But I definitely want to do Black Christmas next year, and uh, uh, maybe Gremlins or something else. I don't know. But yeah, we'll get there when we get there. So yeah, synopsis doesn't matter. Every go and read it on IMDb if you're that bothered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, it's late. I'm tired. Um, so yeah, opening scene. We get Cotton Weary. Yeah, Cotton. Um, and originally. Um, it was meant to be not Cotton, but um, a stab two actor who got killed. Um, but they went for Cotton instead in the end, which I'm very thankful for because I love him. I love his character. I love uh, the actor. How do you pronounce his name? Leave Leave Schreiber. Leave Schreiber. Yeah. I like his face. I think it's a very interesting face. He was in uh, what? Um... He was in Wolverine. That's what it was. Oh. Wolverine. He played. Was it? Wolverine Origins was that the movie he was in? Yes, I believe yeah. so. He played uh, his brother. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that's the only other film I know him in. Yeah, like, that's the only other one street. I know him in too. But I'd, I'd like to watch some more stuff with him because I find him a really interesting actor. Um, so yeah, we open, uh, we see the big Hollywood sign. So instantly we know we're in a brand new setting. We're not in Woodsboro anymore. We're in Hollywood. Um, we see Cotton Weary driving through traffic. Um, so, yeah, I I love the fact that he's got his own talk show, 100% Carton. I know, like, that is, he's just, that's all he ever wanted was just to be rich and famous. Yeah, and... he's finally famous, and I love that. Um, uh, I've mentioned in a couple of episodes already, I own all of the 100% Cotton merch that Welcome to Horrorland did. You know, I, just, I love I love all that meta merch stuff. I love it so much. Um, and apparently the name 100% Cotton came from the Scream 2 cast. Uh, when they were joking that he should have his own show called 100% Cotton. That's awesome. Um, so they, they used that for this. Um, but so I clever. love this opening scene. It's it's great. Um, 
Abby hates it now because I got the Blu-ray out and I was watching every single special feature for this movie and there's about 20 different versions of this film and she sat there and just watched them all with me and it was just over and over and over again. <laughs> she was like, I, f- I fucking hate this scene now because <laughs> I've seen it so many times. That's hilarious. Um, I need to do that. But yeah, originally it was only 99% cotton and uh, 1% Cotton's dead girlfriend, uh, because apparently uh, it was all him, and then she was just dead in the closet when when he came into the apartment, but they decided to um, go with, uh, well, put the girlfriend in more and make it more of a peril, because apparently it's more of a, more of a peril thing if there's more of a girl involved and less of a man, or I don't know, but that's what they said. Um, there was also more Creed, which yes. got cut out. <laughs> Apparently, Creed, Creed is on the soundtrack of this one. Oh, yes, yes, they're on the soundtrack, which we'll go into in a bit. They bookend the soundtrack, in fact. Uh, there's two Creed tracks on the soundtrack, mm. brilliant. Uh, but yeah, there was originally way more Creed in this, which they cut out um, because there was no Creed. Creed playing the whole time when Cotton was like going around the apartment, but instead they just put like a little little blast on. When, when his girlfriend, I think it was Christine, is her name, mm-hmm. when she was walking about. Kevin's not going to be so, very happy about that when he finds out. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, so, yeah, they actually reshot the whole sequence in the apartment uh, because it was mostly cotton, like, walking around in there. Um, and they actually rebuilt the apartment to look exactly Jeez. the same because they only had two days to shoot in that Hollywood apartment because it was, like, so hectic and apparently it's impossible to get locations in like downtown LA um, so yeah they rebuilt the, the apartment and it looks exactly the same they even used a few scenes that were originally shot in the real apartment um, in the final bit when Cotton's getting killed you'll notice that on the ceiling there's no skylight anymore and that was because that was the skylight they built um, for the reshoots which involved um stuff happening with the skylight I think Cotton was climbing out of the skylight or someone fell in or there was a whole thing but basically loads of stuff got cut out and altered um, which seemed to be like the the whole um, vibe of this movie like there was a lot of reshoots and a lot of like the whole movie seemed to be getting written as it was getting shot like totally on the fly like everyone was like frustrated that it kept getting changed all the time. Like on the day, it would get rewritten, which um, makes it more meta because that's what they even talk yeah, about in the movie. Exactly. And I'm like, exactly. You're saying this, and I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, yeah. So um, yeah, so there's there was loads of stuff that kind of went wrong on this movie, and lots of reshoots, um, which maybe is what you're picking up on. You know, that, you that's a possibility. Why you don't like it? Um, maybe it doesn't feel like it flows yeah. as well as the others. Well, there's there's some different things that I don't like, but I mean, there's definitely a lot of stuff that I do like, so I mean it's not like I absolutely hate it, like I hated um, Nightmare on Elm Street, what two was it that I said? I'm sorry, Abby, I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, Abby and Sadie, I think they love that. But yeah, that is is not a good film. That movie made me want to like stab things into my eye, please, (laughs) when is it going to (laughs) end? Uh, three is a lot better. It picks up after that, so I, I know I need to I need to watch it. I can't <laughs> wait till we get to the Nightmare on Elm Street films. 
or can I? A lot of them are very bad. Um, <laughs> but I just, I really like, obviously I love the first one and I love the last one, so. We can just um, do that. We can just do the first and last yeah. and just skip the rest. <laughs> Good to. I'm sure there'll be a lot of pissed off people. Like, yeah, probably. Um, so yeah, this this scene uh, with Cotton, I just love how much of a sleaze ball he is when he answers the phone. Oh, I know. To, to Ghostface. Um, and obviously, Ghostface has got a new gimmick. He's got a voice changer now, so he can sound like other people. Um, I like that. I don't, I don't think it's very realistic, though. I don't think that little device doesn't exist. Surely, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> that's like a that's a total movie magic thing. Um, but yeah, I lo- you know, Ghostface is like, uh, oh, you're a naughty boy, Cotton. What would your girlfriend think? And he's like, what makes you think I have a girlfriend? And he's like, I'm right outside a bathroom door. Oh <laughs> he's my like, God. fuck. So he like races back. So Ghostface is like basically trying to find out where Sydney is. So oh, originally, right, yeah. it's meant to be like, what's your favorite scary movie? You know, the whole like trivia game, all that. That's kind of dropped in this film. And it's very much Ghostface's obsessed with Sydney and the mother thing, uh, which, you know, it moves the story along better and it fits the killer's motivation more. You know, if, I think that if they if they kept doing the whole, uh, you know, movie trivia stuff, um, yeah. it wouldn't have fit Roman's motive. Uh, so I, I, I quite like that little twist on it. You know, he's like blackmailing Cotton, saying like, "Tell me where Sydney is, otherwise I'm going to kill your girlfriend." Basically, um, and Cotton doesn't play along. Uh, he doesn't tell him, um, and yeah, he gets back, and his girlfriend ends up getting killed. I think it's a great scene. This. Yeah, and what I was going to say earlier is that I like this scene too, because so when he gets in the house, the killer has his, his television show on 100% Cotton. Yeah. And he's talking about the people who are aggressive drivers and all this stuff and how they need to <laughs> right. be, uh, you know, like, talked to or whatever, and then, because he was just, like, driving crazy. I thought that was kind of funny. But yeah. I never yeah, noticed that, that one funny. before. I never noticed that before for some reason. I know that was on purpose, but I had never noticed it. I think it's funny how he's like wearing the same outfit. Like he's all in white, like yeah. the white blazer and the white jumper. It's like he's just come straight from the studio and they've just like started playing on the telly, which is weird. Um, oh, white suit then. Oh, Jesus. That's so. <laughs> just, I would instantly get something on my clothes if I had a white suit. Oh, yeah. I, I panic when I wear a white t-shirt because oh, I'm just I know, like, I'm going to get something on me. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Ghostface is, like, totally fucking with him, like, you know, using the... Well, he's fucking with her before he arrives. He's he's impersonating Cotton, so he's using the voice changer to sound like him. Uh, so then it all goes wrong when Cotton's arrived because she's thinking that he is after her. So she attacks him. And he's like, whoa, what the fuck is going on here? Um, oh, but, but before that, we get our first taste of Creed. So mm. What If plays on the stereo. So even Ghostface is a Creed fan. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, then then Christine gets killed. She gets a knife in the back. Um, and then Cotton fights Ghostface, and then he gets killed. Um, and then and the titles come on. Yeah, and it's funny because, you know, you don't really expect, and you're like, okay, you know, Cotton's been in the last two movies, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much untouchable. Nope, died within the first five minutes. Yeah, yeah, so again, it's setting that, you know, the standard for the movie, like, anyone is fair game, mm-hmm. anyone can die, um, 
yeah, I like I like the opening. I'm sad that we didn't get more cotton, but you know, yeah. I wanted 100% cotton, <laughs> but we only got a little bit. Um, so now we see Sydney, and she's living remotely in isolation in the hills. Jealous. That's looks like a beautiful area. Looks like my dream life right there. She's got a lovely dog called Cherokee. Um, and, and I feel like this scene really speaks to a, a lot about uh, Sydney's character. The fact that, you know, she's gone through all of this traumatic stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and what she decides to do with her life is be able to... Um, help people. Help people counsel women, you know, stuff like mm-hmm. that. Which I thought was really, like, I really liked that. Yeah, it really does speak to the kind of person that she is. But yeah, she's got she's got a dog, she's got a security system, um, and she's going under the name the alias name is Laura. Um, oh, and as she's walking up to the house, I just love the uh, the Sydney theme playing in the background, mm-hmm. like Marco Beltrami back, like with an amazing score. Um, so yeah, she's women's crisis counselor over the phone, helping women. Mm-hmm. Great she stuff. Looks, she looks stunning. She looks amazing. Um, and a couple of little trivia bits here. In her house is a poster from the play from Scream 2, The Fall of Troy. Um, I thought that was a bit of a weird one. I wouldn't have thought she'd want to remember that play, mm-hmm. but there we go. Uh, there's also a photograph of uh, Neve as a kid uh, with her actual dad in real life. Um, it was also mentioned at this point on the commentary that um, they only had 20 days available to shoot with her because she was such a hot actress at the time. Like she was on loads of different films, so that explains why she wasn't in the film uh, f- for much. Um, so next next scene, we get to see Gail and her terrible haircut and uh, shockingly large ears. Like I don't like to body shame, but it was quite alarming to see her with her hair back. Um, I actually thought that this time too, and I wasn't going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I you, wanna... Like I say, I don't want to body shame, but those ears are quite large. Um, it's cute. She's cute, and oh, she's she is so cute. I I really do fancy Courtney Cox, and I always have. But those ears, they're massive. No, it's just those bangs. <laughs> it was just the bangs. Like that's all it was. Like yeah. if she had regular bangs, I don't think it would have been as bad. That's true. It's the tiny bangs and the. Big I don't ears. know what it that's is because I, for one, love tiny bangs. I've had tiny bangs, but it was just something. I think I like it more on on girls who are alternative or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and she's not. I'd be used to have a really short fringe like that that she cut herself. I, I really like the the short fringe thing. I think it's cool. Yeah. But I think you need to have your hair down. Otherwise, you're exposing your massive ears. <laughs> <laughs> but in this, in this scene, we get um, a cameo from David Arquette's brother. Um, he's the one asking the question. Oh, Cox I did not know that. Yeah. Um, and then we get uh, Detective Mark Kincaid, which I think uh, Kincaid is a reference to A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, the Dream Warriors. There's a character called Kincaid in that. Because um, that, that, it sticks out to me because that's like not a normal... Well, it's not a name you hear a lot, Kincaid, mm-hmm. right? Um, so then he tells her about Cotton's murder... And that there's a picture of Sydney's mum, Maureen, left at the crime scene. Um, <clears throat> they do miss out here that her, his girlfriend was killed as well. And there should have been technically two pictures if he's leaving one for each kill. But there we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so yeah, 
then Sydney learns of Cotton's death from the news. Um, so she's like, oh, Which shit. annoyed me. I was like, man, if I was her, I would never watch the news. I'd be like, nope, not watching the news, <laughs> yeah. no newspapers. If it's something really important, I'll find out later. So apparently in that scene where she finds out about Cotton's death on the news, she was originally meant to drop the dog food on the floor, but um, the dog kept coming in the room and, like, trying to eat the food when it was everywhere so they kind of cut it <laughs> so that didn't happen um, so next we get stab three um, we get to see the production and red right hand starts playing uh, it's actually version two which was uh, re-recorded and rewritten with brand new lyrics just for this movie um, and I love this version I think it sounds really great see I didn't even know that, but for some reason I thought it did sound different. I was... Yeah. Okay. It's a lot, like, I want to say cleaner, but do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It sounds a lot, mm-hmm. um, a bit, um, a lot more cleaned up. I don't, I'm not an expert on music. I, don't I, know, I know what you mean. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I do. It sounds a bit more poppy. Um, but weirdly, though, it's not actually on the CD soundtrack. Um, you can listen to it on Spotify, though, hmm. uh, but... I think maybe it would have been a bit out of place on the soundtrack because it's all new metal and rock. <laughs> so, yeah. like, sticking that on there, I don't know. Or maybe it was licensing, but then again, that wouldn't make sense if they got it redone for the movie specifically. Um, but, yeah, we get the <clears throat> the whole Stab 3 thing, which I absolutely love. I love um, that we get to see it in production. Mm-hmm. It does make me question, though, like, what happened to Stab 2? We never got to see Stab 2. Like... Was it based on Scream Two? Like what mm-hmm. happened in that in that movie? Like I would have loved to have seen all the Stab Two stuff. Um, and it also makes me question: What are they basing Stab Three on? Then uh, are they just making a new fictional story up for that? I think. Like, <laughs> I think they were because. Yeah. I mean, the guy even says like, "This is a whole brand new um, script." Blah blah blah. So yeah, probably. It's just tempting fate, that, though, isn't it? If the yeah. previous two are based on actual events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I love I love the whole movie set thing. Like, this is one of the reasons why I love this mo- movie so much. The whole movie set thing, I think it's a really clever way of, like, setting the movie somewhere new in Hollywood, mm-hmm. but still having that connection to the first film. Um, you know, you get to see all the original locations and stuff, and it's just... And then that score playing in the background, I love it. Um so in this scene we get to see the Stab 3 crew uh, we see the producer John Milton and we get to see Roman, or spoiler Ghostface hmm. um, so he's the director of Stab 3 um, and then we get to see the, the cast of Stab as well and I love them um, especially Jenny, Jenny McCarthy um, she yeah, was a teenage funny. teenage crush of mine I used to have posters of her all over my room she on? Uh, Playboy <laughs> <laughs> I think she was like a glamour model. Um, she was in some real shit films as well. Oh, but she yeah, was mainly mainly in porn, I think. Oh, okay. Uh, but... <laughs> so, yeah, I've only ever seen her in this movie. I didn't even know who she was. Um, yeah, I used to have, like, massive posters of her all over my room. That's so. funny as heck. <laughs> yeah. um, so then, then Gail enters the film set, and I've got to say that her fashion sense has taken a nosedive in this movie well, compared to the last one. In this scene, it was like a yellow suit. In this suit. scene, she's got a yellow suit on with a red top, and she she's looking like Ronald McDonald or something. It's just... 
like, 2000, like, 99, <laughs> 2000, and to, like, 2003, didn't, they just, it didn't know what it was doing with it. <laughs> they didn't know There's what to do to them. <laughs> like, yeah. super funky outfit choices <laughs> for everybody in all yeah. things that were made between those times. It was like... It was like a mini 70s revival. Yeah, and then it, was, it sort of... Yeah, it was like that, and then it was like trying to break away from the grunge look. Yeah. And nose dived into something just mm-hmm. terrible. And then you kind yeah. of get into the the cyberpunk plastic era. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the PVC pants and all that. Yeah. <laughs> we, we should totally have a, a Patreon and us talking about 90s and 2000s fashion. Cause, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd love that. I'd love to go through all the fashion, all the stuff. We'll just have to post all the pictures of us from way back. Oh, yeah. That'd be amazing. Um... But yeah, in this scene, we we see uh, we see Jennifer as well. Mm-hmm. So Parker Posey makes her entrance. Um, she's playing Gail in Stab Three, uh, which is a great casting. I, I love Parker Posey in this. Um, Abby's favorite character in this movie. She's a good character. I didn't really care for the one who played Sydney. Yeah, she was really um, bland and not good. Terrible, <laughs> terrible actress. I've never actually liked that actress, though. Uh, is, it, is it Emily Mortimer? Is that her name? Yeah, I think so. What else was she on? Um... I don't know. But she can't really act. No. <laughs> but um, this is a great pair-up with with the two Gales, though. Yeah, I, like I love it lot. because, like, kind of their personalities are different, but sort of the same. Yeah, they're both, like, little firecrackers yeah. and, like, just full of energy and and lots of humor and some great performances from them both in this um and then we're reintroduced to dewey Dewey! who is is now with jennifer he looks so good he does (laughs) daddy dewey yes he looks so good i love him so much but yeah is he now with jennifer like is it's a it's her new assistant slash lover i feel like they have history really kind of go explain that no, it but doesn't. he acts I mean, kind he... of cocky, like to where he's trying to make Gail jealous. Yeah, that's true. That makes me think that nothing has happened, yeah. and he's just trying to put it on, like, yeah, I'm like, I'm her assistant, and what does he say later on? Like, she calls me her rock. <laughs> it's just so funny, and he's basically living in a trailer outside her like giant house. <laughs> oh, um, so Dewey's like a technical advisor on Stab Three. Um, so is he not a cop anymore? What's going on with that? Like, I didn't understand that. Well, he wasn't a cop in the second one. Wasn't he? No, he wasn't. Oh shit! I I've totally Remember forgot about these like... films. It's only because he's a cop in four. I think that he's a cop throughout the whole of them. No, because in the second one, he like has you know his disability like. Yeah, and and... he's he's not is he? He's not a cop. So I guess. So he just he just goes back to it. In, sc- in screen four, I get, yeah, because I think well, like he gets better or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, he's. I think they mentioned like that he's been going through some sort of. Uh, I want to say therapy, but that's not the right word. Physiotherapy. Yeah. And, like stuff. Like maybe he's had surgery to like improve his his wound uh, mobility. Yeah. His mobility and all that. So. But he is like still like he's got a little hobble. But he's not doing the hand thing anymore. He's getting better. 
I think in Stab uh, 4, in Scream 4, he's like totally all better, isn't he? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Dewey's the technical advisor on Stab 3, which is funny. <laughs> no reason to have him around, basically, in this film. Um, and, and then the next scene uh, is a couple so of fun cameos. We so get J- Jane Silent Bob mm-hmm. um, walking through the, the studios. And I like love a- Jane Silent Bob. I'm sorry. I know it's weird <laughs> and it's cheesy, but I do love them. I think they're hilarious. So it's in the same universe as Mallrats and Clerks, mm-hmm. Scream, I guess. Uh, but yeah, they're on like a tour going around the studios. And um, and then it's funny, they say, like, oh, Stab 3 is a closed set, but if you follow me, you can see the set of Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's also a cameo from Wes Craven in this scene. He's the man with the video camera, like, right behind Jay and Silent Bob. Oh, shoot, I didn't even notice. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I wouldn't have if it wasn't on the commentary, to be honest. Um, so the next scene, we get uh, Sid's dad brought back for that one and only scene. And I think just to be a suspect, maybe. Yeah. Um, and he randomly brings her a load of squashes in her grocery for some reason. Um, maybe she just really likes squash. She, she maybe she does. <laughs> Who likes squash though? Let's be honest. Um, I don't remember lots of my hat. I mean, I like zucchini stuff, but I don't know. I don't, eh, squash is okay. I think I'm just too unhealthy I'm a vegetarian vegetarian that doesn't like vegetables (laughs) I was very much like that too I just had to force myself to I had to like make them with like a whole bunch of seasonings Uh, I don't don't like white people vegetables they have to be like (laughs) white people vegetables (laughs) (laughs) just white people don't know how to season shit oh no do they fuck Oh man, just wait till you get to the UK. No. It's just no, I'm not. So, I'm gonna too bring, much. I'm gonna too much sm- white people food. You'll hate it. <laughs> Got to bring some Taco own. Bell seasoning. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna smuggle my own seasonings to England. Oh, you've totally got to do it. And then you'll get busted. They'll think it's like drugs or I something. I know. And I'm like, no, All no, 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 it's just Italian seasoning. It's just garlic. Salt. <laughs> it's just paprika. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, Sydney gets a load of squashes, um, and then and then she has a nap. And she has a really scary dream about her mom. See, I didn't um, like this. This is the really creepy. Like at all. I mean, it's very Nightmare on Elm Street vibes, like mm-hmm. Hammer Horror. Like, right. it's it feels out of place in a screen. Very movie. out of place. But I like it. Um, I, you know, it kind of finally shows that Sydney's suffering from PTSD yeah. from all this, maybe. Um, but yeah, it is a very, very much a tonal shift and. Even a, a sub-genre horror shift in, in this, mm-hmm. you know, kind of... is It's not really... It's not associated with the, the last two movies at all. Um, but, yeah, I think it's like, genuinely scary and creepy, and I like it. Um, it's got some great sound editing in it, too, like, when she's at the window. Um, and she's, like, dragging her nails, her bloody nails, mm-hmm. down the window, and then she disappears, and there's a good jump scare. And Ghostface comes through the window, and then it's like, oh, it's still a dream, it's fine. Um, but yeah, a bit odd. Uh, not very screamy. Um, and then the next scene, which I love, we get Candy's big moment, Jenny McCarthy's death mm-hmm. scene at the movie office. Um, so I, I think it's funny in this as well, where she's like speaking to Roman, or oh, Ghostface, on the phone, and uh, she's like, "Oh, I'm I'm the character that gets killed first. I'm only in two scenes," and it's like so meta. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love this scene. It's one of my favourites in the film, definitely. Um, 
and when she walks into the offices I love that giant green ghost face mask on the wall like I would pay so much money to have that or at least a replica of that Um, and I love that big stab three poster like I need that I'm sure Lee Capasso or someone's done one of those I'm going to have to get one I'm going to have to look for one Um, and in this scene when she's on the phone it's funny how she's like, uh, has there been another goddamn rewrite? How the fuck are we supposed to know our lines if there's a new scene added every day? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's, that's exactly what was happening. Um, I've just got a note here that says, yeah, apparently this movie was wrote on set and changed constantly every day. Uh, and that line showed the frustrations of the cast. <laughs> um, but yeah, as far as this scene goes, I love... Like the clever use of all the ghost face costumes, you know, the wardrobe department. Like they're all like lined up and then one of them moves and then she tries to fight back with the props and then mm-hmm. they just bend and like and then she has a cool death. I like that. She gets a knife in the back and then through the glass door. Um there's not many good kills in this movie, yeah. so like this is one of my favourites. Um one thing I did write down was that, you know, she's talking about there's three scripts and all this stuff. And I wrote down, I was like, man, this guy really went all out. All out. <laughs> yeah, All totally out to did. get revenge on Sydney. Yeah. I mean, like, this is really extreme. Like, why didn't he just, like... Yeah. Like, he found out her number. Why didn't he just find out where she lived and just go kill her in her sleep? He's, like, dedicated his whole life to this. It's almost as if it's all been building up to this moment. And this is why I really like Roman as Ghostface. Like, I really enjoy his motivation and everything that he does I find it fascinating and I don't know I just I really like him as Ghostface I just I also find it hard because there's like scenes where like it shouldn't be humanly possible for him to do stuff and he does so it's like because all the other um, ones have two killers and this one only had the one but for some reason it still felt like it was two right right so you're thinking like how could he be everywhere at once right and like just stuff that he would do too I don't know so before she gets killed by Ghostface uh, so Roman basically sets her up he does like a double bluff mm-hmm. which I love yeah. yeah I like that because although he's got the, the voice changer he obviously didn't use it for that that was actually him um, so yeah and that instantly throws you off because you're like well it's not him because he's got the voice changer and you know so I like that misdirection as well. Um, so next we get the Dewey and Gale scene. Um, and they're she's wearing the that table. gaudy, yep, gaudy jewellery. I wrote that down. Yeah, apparently uh, that was really hard to edit with the sound because the jewellery kept clanging about everywhere. Um, and it was also a really noisy area where they were shooting at that cafe. Uh, so the editor said he had a nightmare with that scene with all the yeah, noises that, going on that jewelry was something else yeah <laughs> really bad fashion in yeah this i don't know about who who dressed her in this movie like everybody else seemed kind of fine yeah i don't know i mean from what i've heard from the commentary like it seemed like all the same team pretty much although they did say they had a lot of problem with um hair and makeup and sideburns on guys um, if you notice, like throughout the film, uh, a lot of the male characters' sideburns fluctuate from going like Elvis length to like regular length. I didn't notice that. Um, that was funny. The, 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 especially the, the security guard. You know the guy that does uh, the voice of Joe in Family Guy. That's the only voice I hear when he speaks. 
um, um, the guy in the wheelchair and Family Guy. Oh, oh, I don't think of Family Guy. I think of Seinfeld. Oh, is he in Seinfeld? And I think of uh, Emperor's New Groove. Oh. But yes, he is in Seinfeld. He's got a very distinct voice. Yeah. And that's all I hear when he opens it is Joe from Family Guy. I uh, but yeah, apparently, apparently his sideburns really do fluctuate in in length. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> so they had, it sounds like they had problems with a lot of departments on this film. In fact, it sounds like they had more stuff go wrong than went right with absolutely everything. <laughs> um, so yeah, this scene, uh, they're basically discussing like what happened, like we don't really, we don't get to see why they separated um, and, and Dewey's, he's basically been left behind in Woodsboro oh, um, and Gail had like, you know, bigger dreams and aspirations and had to go and do her own thing um, you know we found out they've separated but you can you can still tell that they're meant for each other um, I just I love their chemistry yeah I'm so I'm so sad they're not together now <laughs> um, so then yeah we found out someone on Stab 3 is trying to find Sid and they're like right well this is where we need to be investigating around the, the Stab 3 production because this is clearly what's going down um, and then we go and see Jennifer at a house. She's having a meltdown, um, and uh, that house that they used for, for for that scene is actually the guy that did Grease. His house. Mm. Um, it's, it's crazy actually finding out all about the locations they used in this film. Like it's all like Hollywood, like fancy places that have history. Um, which I can't wait to get to the the house at the end because that's got some crazy history. Um, so yeah, we find out about Sarah's murder here, and that Ghostface is killing them in order in which they die in Stab Three. And they're like, "Well, who's next?" And it's Gail who's next to die. So that's why Jennifer's having the meltdown. Um, and at the end of this scene, you know where she jumps into the arms of the security mm-hmm. guard. I love that. That's so funny. Apparently, that was improved. Like a lot of her things were improved. Good. I'm glad that they gave her that. She did uh, a different thing at the end of each take, like that. That was one of them, and then another one. She went up to him and said, "Sing me a song." Uh, uh, I can't remember the others, but she did something like funny at the end of each one, and that's the one they went with, like <laughs> jumping into his arms. Yeah, that one which, kind of that matches her personality really. Well. Yeah, it's like comfort me, hold me. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so yeah, the security guard. I've I've just got a note here, bland probably my least favorite character oh yeah for sure <laughs> only in this movie to be a suspect for a hot minute yeah um so then yeah we find out there's three different versions of the script and they say it's uh, they're doing that to try and keep the ending from off off of the internet which is a little nod and a wink to what happened with scream 2 <laughs> so the next scene we get roman diverting all the attention away from him yes and basically yeah. detective kincaid is the most obvious suspect at this point um, and then we get Sydney's very first interaction with the new ghost face. So he calls her and totally fucks with her and is really cruel and puts on her mum's voice. Um, Which I was just like, how does he have that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. <laughs> like, like, that doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. I mean, yeah, whatever. but he did, he did make movies of her and film everything. So like, I'm guessing at some point he called her up and took her voice from that I don't know how it's all possible uh, it's, but, but yeah 
So there's no horror movie games or trivia chat. Like it's it's the whole mother thing, and he's fucking with Sydney in that way. Um, but this is quite good because it makes you question like Sydney's sanity. Like, you know, is it a coincidence that she's having nightmares about her as well? Like, because mm-hmm. that, ha- that happens before she gets a phone call with her mum's voice on the other end of the phone. So it's like, you, at this point, you're questioning what yeah. is really going on with Sydney. Um, which, again, is not a very screamy thing, but I like the new angle. So now we find out the Stab 3 production has been shut down and uh, we're back at Jennifer's house and all the Stab 3 cast are there. Um, Gail arrives, Dewey's there, everyone's there basically. And uh, and then they discover that Maureen Prescott's photo is taken in the same place as where they're shooting Stab 3 at Sunrise Studios. Um, so then they go and try and track down like to find out if she was an actor you know, who shot at those studios. Um, and then back to what's going on here. So meanwhile, Ghostface is up to his old tricks. He's fucking with the security guard. He calls him and pretends to be Dewey. Um, and then, like, he's talking to him and he makes, like, an insensitive comment about Tatum. Um, and then Ghostface jumps out and kills him. He does it in Dewey's voice as well. It's funny because he goes, I can't believe you just said that. That makes me so mad. And then just, like, stabs him. Yeah, I was like, how did he... Again, with the bodyguards getting killed <laughs> yeah. so easily by these... Wings. He was a shit bodyguard, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and then uh, then the lights go out in the house and everyone starts panicking. And then the fax machine... I know, I thought this uh, part was ridiculous. So 90s. It <laughs> starts like printing... Fax machine, yeah. Who who has a fax machine? Like, I I never. I don't think I ever had a fax machine. Oh, I didn't have a fax machine. I mean, I fax stuff at work, but yeah, faxing was a very, very strange thing, wasn't it? <laughs> I suppose. I suppose it was before emails and stuff. So I guess. It's I guess like it made sense. Eighties version of telegraphs, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> telegrams or whatever they're called. Yeah, they got telegrams. Fax machine, yeah. So the. The print, the pages uh, of the script start printing through the fax machine, uh, and Ghostface is rewriting the movie in real time. Very clever. Real time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so then it says on the on the on the new script, the killer will give mercy to whoever smelled the gas, and they're all like trying to trying to see what's going on, but only the the guy that played Dewey goes back in the house. And he, he lights a lighter to, to see this. <laughs> and the, the lights most have extreme gone out. explosion. And, is, and he gets blown up in the house. Um, death by gas, which is, is probably the best kill in this, to be honest. Because um, it's just so ridiculous and over the top. And, I know that I mean, I, I've never seen a death by gas before. Yeah, and that explosion was just out of this world. It's so big. <laughs> Apparently it was on a like a miniature that they did that. Well, I say miniature. I think they said one third scale, which isn't that miniature. Uh, they basically built that house, but like smaller and blew it up. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I love movie tricks like that because um, it's like, well, why would we build one like the same size? Like right. we could just make it look, <laughs> you know, however you shoot it. It's clever. Um, so and then this part when they all like fall down the hill. If you listen very carefully, you can hear Parker Posey saying, 
I can't stop falling down this hill. <laughs> Which is brilliant. She's so great. <laughs> so then uh, Dewey saves Gale and he shoots Ghostface. And then... Um, and Ghostface doesn't die. No. Well, he's always got his bulletproof vest on, you see. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> you think it's dumb? Yes. <laughs> Too much shooting Ghostface in this for your liking. Um, and then there's an updated version of Dewey's theme starting to play in the background. I think Marco Beltrami sort of did his own twist on it. Not quite as good as the original Broken Arrow one, in my opinion, but it's still nice to hear those little tones. And they, and they start to get lovey-dovey, and then it gets interrupted by Jennifer, um, who <laughs> Gail so just socks. And then she says, my lawyer likes that, <laughs> which again was improv. Um, they shot that a few times and she said a few different things. So whenever she said that, was it improv for um, uh, Gail to say not as much as me or whatever? Uh, well, it must have been, yeah. I think that was Well, that's cool that they were that, able yeah. to play off, their, yeah. <laughs> play off each other's, uh, whatchamacallit, improv. Yeah, they're, they're definitely a highlight in this movie, that, that pairing, definitely. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's probably my favorite whole favorite thing of the whole movie. Mm-hmm. So then um, suspicion has shifted onto the girl that's playing Sydney because she emerges from a different area which looks exactly the same area from what like the others came from. It's like, okay. Um, um, I read that... Was it originally that she was supposed to be the second killer? Yes, you're right. I was going to get to that later oh, on. but sorry. yeah, origin- That's fine. We can talk about it now. Originally, she was meant to be um, Roman's girlfriend, and she was meant to be the second ghost face. See, I feel but, like that, that would have been better. Um, I don't know. I, I really like just like the single ghost face. I guess so. Um, I guess it's more just because there's just, like I said, things that were done that just didn't make yeah. sense with it being You're like one he- person. He seems supernatural yeah. to be doing all of this. Correct. Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's okay. But yeah, apparently the studio didn't like that, so they had to drop it and just go with Roman. No, I'm fine with that too, because she was a terrible actress anyway. So. Yeah, she was. <laughs> um, so then we find out that the killer is taking credit for Maureen Prescott's murder, as Dewey finds the picture with I killed her written on the back. Um, so then we're at the police station, and if you notice in this scene, the very severe suntans on Gail and Dewey. Yes. Um, now, this was the first scene they shot for the movie. And, <laughs> and they um, just got back Courtney, from... the, Yeah, they just got back from the Bahamas, uh, the honeymoon. So that's why they were brown as berries. <laughs> yeah, I have something in here about how I think that the makeup in this movie was done very poorly. <laughs> well, not poorly. Okay, no, 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 not poorly. It was it was done well, but the way like because of modern day you know Blu-ray or whatever on TV, it's you can just see like how fake oh, it looks. Oh yeah, like no, yeah, it's... you know obviously if you watch it on a you know non big TV like I have, um, it may look different. Did you get 4K in Scream 3 as well, or is no, it just regular Blu-ray? just the original, just the original one. <laughs> you get 4K of that, you'd be like, whoa! But I <laughs> oh know, God. it was just, and it's, and it's because a lot of the makeup, like, just didn't, wasn't, didn't look blended in some scenes, but it, it, it's because of that, you can just see it more. Yeah, that's true. So, Kincaid, he's desperate for Dewey to get in touch with Sydney, 
Um, mm-hmm. And then as if by magic, enter Sydney. She just appears at this particular moment. <laughs> and then we get the reunion with Dewey and Gale. So when when Sydney comes in and Kincaid's like super excited to see her. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. creepily excited. Yeah. And it's like, oh no, it's definitely this guy. It has to be. Otherwise it's just too too much of an obvious red herring right um, so then next they go to Sunrise Studios and uh, Detective Kincaid suspiciously exits to go and get coffee so he's not there um, and then they run into Martha Meeks Randy's sister um, and she goes don't shoot I'm only 17 um, so this actor um, I can't remember her name but she's in Saved Mm-hmm. In... A movie that I love so much. I know. <laughs> it's so good. She's in Princess Diaries 1 and 2 as well. Mm-hmm. She's in... Um, um, Kevin will say she's in Hatchet. I've never seen it. She's in oh, I've not one seen of the Hatchets. Either. I won't watch those. Or no, yeah. maybe it's Hostel. I think it's Hostel that she's in. Oh, is it Hostel? Oh. Yeah, but I won't yeah, watch it. I've seen at least one of those, but again not a fan of the torture porn stuff Mm-mm. so don't like it um, in fact we got a message from um, oh shit Kyle uh, Kyle on the Halloween fans group mm-hmm. on Facebook he, he sent a message asking if we'll do Eli Roth season or do hostile stuff and I was like no <laughs> probably not I was like never say never but we're not fans of that so yeah because um, the whole time all we would be talking about is how gross we felt yeah. and <laughs> How we don't want to eat stuff, and <laughs> yeah. it would just we be just a, want to do movies that we like. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, this scene is great because we get Randy's post-human legacy video. I know, which so is fantastic. So good, and it's so awesome to see Randy again, even if it is just on like a video screen. Um, and apparently, again, they mentioned that he was horrible to work with. And um, he couldn't remember any of his lines. Um, but they also mentioned that they were writing lines for this scene as they shot it. So they can't really blame him. Oh, no, that's not <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think he shines in this scene. He's so good. Um, and apparently it was a lot longer and he said a lot of stuff, which they said, oh, it was all, all, all waffle, but we edited it down to make it look good. But I think they're being way too harsh on Jamie Kennedy. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. Um, so yeah, it explains the rules of the third sequel and the trilogy rules. Um, you know, it's a, it's a rarity in the horror field, um, and that it w- it will reveal something we thought was true but wasn't true. Um, which I, I like all that. And a- again, it doesn't really. It's very light on the whole horror movie um, tropes and meta stuff in this because it takes a different direction. Um, it kind of it plays on it a little bit. It goes back into that a lot more heavy in Scream Four, but in this one, it's kind of touched upon lightly. I had wrote down here. Um, what third sequel movies do you like? So, I mean, mm. for me, I like Toy Story Three. Oh yeah, I like yeah, yeah, yeah. Return of the Jedi, obviously as well. Um, I can't think of any more like third movies in, I can't in sequels. Um, I only had those two wrote down. Twilight. <laughs> Twilight. Third one's not bad. Fourth one's the best. It's another uh, good third movie. Lord of the Rings, Return of the King. Heck yeah. Yeah. I'm not really a Lord of the Rings okay. fan. I know they're yeah, good, you but know like. What? This friendship's yeah. over. <laughs> I'm just kidding. They're too Kevin long, like man. 
it's too much walking and it's too long. So great though, like <laughs> I don't even know. Like I would give everything in order to live in Middle Earth. Like I think that would just be so. Just wonderful. just visit New Zealand because that's where they found it. <laughs> oh, speaking of Lord of the Rings and stuff, my sister thought you saying me being a Hobbit on the last episode hilarious. <laughs> she was talking about it yesterday. She was like, "I love it." <laughs> yeah, honestly, like I can't deal with walking around with no shoes or socks on. Oh, I, I, I don't even do it in my own house. I have to wear slippers at all times. Really? Oh, I can't. Yeah. I can't have any. I don't like it. That's why I hate the winter because I don't like wearing socks when I'm at home. But my feet are right. get so cold that I have to, and and especially at night whenever like we don't want to put the heater on because I'm a stickler about that. I don't want the heater on at all. Uh, or oh. socks to sleep in, and then by the like hour in <laughs> they're off because <laughs> my son's like that he can't wear socks like he as soon as he's in the house he takes them off and just mm-hmm. walks around in his bare feet like he I hates can't do it. it i don't know if he it feels restricted in him yep that's what it is and i don't know if it's weird brain thing or if it's a country girl thing <laughs> i don't just know a, just a middle earth thing maybe I mean, yeah, just, <laughs> in another life i was a hobbit <laughs> <laughs> Alright, um, where were we? We were at trilogy rules. Yeah, oh, third okay. movies. I can't think of any more. There's there's probably loads that are gonna come to me after this. I know, me too. I can't I can't think off the top of my head. Um so then we get like a fun scene with Jennifer and Gail. Yeah. We go to is... the Sunrise Archives. So speaking of Star Wars, right. uh, we get not Carrie Fisher mm-hmm. and it's so funny. Um when they're like she's like, Aren't you? You look just like her and she's like, No, like I was up for Princess Leia. I was this close, but who gets it? The one who sleeps with George Lucas. <laughs> mm-hmm. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> yeah, really funny. Um, unfortunately, that was uh, one of the Weinstein's ideas to have her in this scene. Oh. <clears throat> but yeah. Womp, womp, womp. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so yeah, they discover that Sydney's mum had a stage name, Rena Reynolds. And she used to star in uh, Stab 3 producer John Milton's old horror movies. So then next we get Sydney in the studio bathroom and she has an encounter with the girl that's playing her in Stab. I keep calling her that because I don't even know her character name. So yeah, it's a ghost face red herring basically because she's got the ghost face mask and the cell phone and she's wearing like ghost face looking shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out that she's just stealing the mask as like a memento for working on Stab 3. Which obviously I'd totally do. I'd just I'd ransack that place for stab oh, stuff. She's really terrible, just actress overall in this whole scene too. <laughs> yeah, it's bad. She's just but then you're like, then you're like, is is she putting it on? Is she is she trying to act suspicious and fake? Right, right. But then no, I think she's just bad. Yeah. <laughs> but then I love the next scene. So Sydney, like, she runs after her, saying, "You forgot your hairbrush," and then she ends up wandering onto the film set. And we see the set of her old house. She like takes a trip down memory lane. It's it's a really clever way to get like a flashback scene, but in real time. Like we see all like the famous locations from Scream One. We get like Stu's house, and we even get to see like the the garage door with like the bloody cat flap where Tatum got killed, mm-hmm. and like the bottle the bottles are all broken on the floor, and the fridge is open. Like it's really cool attention to detail in this. I love it. It's a, it's a movie within a movie, which I really yes, is very yes, cool. I love it. Yeah, and then we get Sydney's score playing in the background. It's so haunting and beautiful, so good. Um, and I love how she walks from like backstage 
out of Stu's house. Like, mm-hmm. the door is, like, Stu's house, front door. And then she walks into her old house. And then we see the Creed poster mm-hmm. in her room. I have that written down. Creed poster. Creed. <laughs> Human clay album poster. And Scott is looking particularly sexy with his mm-hmm. red silk shirt. Uh, so I'd love to take a picture like that back then, man. I'd, I would love to own that original poster, obviously. <laughs> I'm sure you can get that human clay poster on eBay. I'm going to have to look for it. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> so then she's in her bedroom and she starts getting like flashbacks of her and Billy. And you hear him saying, would you settle for a PG-13 relationship? Um, and then Ghostface attacks and she fights him off like a badass. Oh, um, she's the best. So she's so good in this. Like it's a great chase scene here, like through the fake house. And I love how she when she opens the door to nowhere and it's all, almost falls through. And then she pulls Ghostface down onto that bed. Mm-hmm. Nice soft landing for him. <laughs> um and then she's like screaming for Dewey. Um and then Ghostface totally fucks with her and does her mum's voice again and like lures her into See, the I murder scene the part- room. This whole scene was the part where I was like thinking, I was like, oh, and I couldn't remember. I could not remember if there was a second killer. I was like, okay. And then I was, Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. For so some you've reason, watched just, this film so little that you forgot kind of yeah, what happens. Yeah, I really did. Oh. And so I was almost like kind of shocked again. I was like, oh, that's right. There isn't two killers. It's just one. And I was like, yeah. okay. So, but. Yeah, so, so then she goes into the murder scene room um, and we get the voices of Stu and Billy in the background as well just to add to all this like mm-hmm. taunting in her head um, and then Ghostface jumps out of like the bloody body bag so scary and sick like I love it um, I think that's a nod as well to A Nightmare on Elm Street because I'm sure there's like a, a bloody body bag scene in that yeah that whole um, scene was weird I like it <laughs> Um, Again, and then but she it fall- just feels out of place. Yeah, no, you're right. It definitely fell out of place. It was screamy. You're right there. I will admit to that. Um, so she falls out the window, and then everyone arrives, and Ghostface disappears. Uh, Detective Kincaid arrives just late enough to be the, the prime suspect still. And everyone's like, there's nobody there. So then we're questioning Sid's sanity again, like how much of that was real. Like, mm-hmm. um so then we get the scene with Milton at his office and the two Gales and Dewey interrogate him about Sydney's mum and we find out that she she was an actor back in the day uh, and that she was basically taken advantage of at a Hollywood party. Um, bit too close to home with the whole Weinsteins being involved in these movies, oh, I thought. No, like gosh. The fact that Bob and Harvey were like chairman of Miramax and producers of the Scream films. I was like, yeah, this Very is... Very meta. Yeah, too, this bit's too, too meta. Yeah. Because <laughs> unfortunately a lot of stuff like that happens in Hollywood and especially with those names attached. Uh, you know, Rose McGowan is one of those mm-hmm. that will attest to that. But yeah, a bit uncomfortable with the the uh what's implied here um but it makes sense to you know to the story i guess um and then and then we go back to the police station uh we find that you know kincaid he's he's still number one suspect for ghostface here because he's like obsessing over sydney and like he seems obsessed with her mum as well um 
what do we have next? Uh, so there's the car scene with two Gales and Dewey, and then Ghostface calls Dewey and tells Sydney. I uh, know oh he calls Dewey as Sydney, mm-hmm. and he and he tells him to go to Roman's birthday party, uh, and it turns out that everyone got a call to meet there. So Poor we Roman. go. He was such a pathetic loser. He had a <laughs> yeah, that's fake, a fake fake <laughs> call everybody to come have him to come to his birthday party. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we're at Milton's awesome old Hollywood mansion. Oh, I know. Um, and this this was really interesting that I found out through the commentary. So this was a real mansion in Hollywood, and it was an old Catholic girls' home for unwed mothers. Oh, weird. Um, and it was actually said that the basement was haunted. I was going to say it was probably haunted. As something horrible happened there, oh, to geez. quote Wes Craven. So I didn't find out whether it was actually a murder or what went on, oh, but apparently uh, the cast saw ghosts there when they were filming and were convinced that it was haunted, which is so fucking cool. They need to like freaking write a book about that then. Jeez, come on. <laughs> And uh, now it's uh, it's just a swanky mansion that hosts many Hollywood parties, and apparently Leonardo DiCaprio parties there quite often. Man, I would party in there, but you know what I would do? I wouldn't hang out with everybody. I'd be walking <laughs> behind those walls, finding all those <laughs> little. <laughs> I'd be walking around there with a, a spirit box and uh, uh, no. some mm-hmm. of that some of that equipment that they use. You can have all the all the ghosts attached to you and I will be <laughs> running around in the secret little hallway passages. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in this scene we get the remaining Stab 3 cast. Um, there's the token black dude, the voice of reason, Hilarious. as usual. So funny. He's another highlight in this, which doesn't get used enough. Oh, no, not at all. He, he, he would have been great if they would have given him some more yeah, um, definitely. I love this line in this scene that he he says um, he's talking to about Dewey, and he's like, every time this dude enters a room, he ends up a goddamn shish kebab. <laughs> so fucking good. Because he does. Yeah, he fucking does, and he does again in this. Yeah, and then um, he gets electrocuted in this one too. Who does Dewey? Dewey. When does he get electrocuted? Doesn't he, like, wasn't he trying to, like, play with something and then he gets electrocuted and... Oh, Gail's like, oh. Dewey. Yeah, it doesn't he, like, put, like, something in a plug socket and... Yeah, to make the, the lights go out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. <laughs> he's just a walking disaster, that man. He's just... it's He's got See? more lives than a cat. <laughs> his, his life is only a little bit more disastrous than mine is, because... <laughs> <laughs> Everywhere I go, I drop stuff, run into stuff, run over stuff. <laughs> if your life was a movie, it would be one of those that give me anxiety because it's too chaotic. <laughs> yes. Be like my Gremlins. There's too would... much going on in that movie that sets my anxiety off. It's like, too busy. Uh, did you ever watch any Charlie Chaplin movies growing up? I don't <laughs> Not really, but I know it's kind of the vibe that it's just slapstick and goofy. Oh, it's and just there's... constant slapstick, like there's scenes whenever he'd be like walking really really close to the edge of something and you're just on your edge like you are on the edge of your seat because you're like oh my god he's about to fall and he did a lot of his own stunts so a lot of the stuff that you're seeing is like really him and you're just like so it makes it worse (laughs) (laughs) um so in this scene like everyone separates for some reason Mm -hmm. and goes walking around the house and they all get picked off one by one by Ghostface. Oh, God, the um, fake Sydney gets just... Yeah. 
<laughs> but this whole third act is very Scooby Doo. Like it's so silly. Oh my God, it is Scooby Doo. It's lots of fun though. <laughs> like whenever uh, Gail, or not Gail, um, Jennifer falls backwards and she hits the glass. She goes tumbling into the secret passage. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's so many slapsticky bits, and they're all around the hallways, like. Definitely Scooby Doo vibes. Oh, and even the way that the black guy dies is like he trips yeah. and he like goes out the window and he falls and totally comical. He gets the rug pulled from mm, underneath that's him, what literally. It is. Yeah, he gets the rug <laughs> He does like a flip. Um, so then Gail and Dewey they find Ghostface Mask and the Voice Changer. So and then they discover that he can replicate their voices, which again, I'm sure is incredibly unrealistic. I don't mm-hmm. think that device exists. Mm-hmm. Prove me wrong, somebody, because I'd love to own one of those, because that's wild. Um, so then, Gale finds Roman supposedly dead. He sets himself up in like a glowing coffin with a knife stuck out of his chest. Yeah, that was cool. Um, she actually checks his pulse. Um, so that always like was a sticking point for me. I was like, well, if she, you know, how how why did she think he was dead then if he clearly wasn't when she checked his pulse? But this is something Wes said in the commentary. Apparently. You can actually fake your pulse stopping by putting pressure underneath the artery in your armpit. What? So, if you do, if you do that, apparently it kind of stops your pulse. Who, who um, uh, discovered that? <laughs> Where's Crayford? What <laughs> weird person was like, hmm, I'm going to pinch this. Oh, look, my pulse is done. <laughs> Stop. Because I think, yeah, they had to cut that scene because I think there was explanation later on for why why his, his pulse wasn't wasn't going but yeah again a cl- clunky thing that they did um, so yeah l- like you said then the girl that plays Sydney gets killed um, and I've got on the notes here you know she was originally meant to be the second ghost face but the studio didn't like it um, yeah black dude gets killed gets the rug pulled up from underneath him and then he gets stabbed and thrown out the window <laughs> I've put here good stunts because they were pretty good stunts yeah um and then, as Ghostface is attacking, they discover the secret passages. So, um, and then, so Jennifer's behind the mirror, getting attacked by Ghostface. Another Galen, like uh, soundproof scene. Yeah, very reminiscent of that. I thought that was clever. I liked that. It was mm-hmm. like you can't in the first one you can't hear, but in this one you can't see. Um, and apparently, th- th- there was those mirrors were soundproof as well, so you couldn't really hear either. Yeah. Um, and then she falls through the mirror because uh, Dewey's like shooting them out. It was confirmed that Dewey didn't shoot her. She was already killed by Ghostface. So um, again, that was a very abrupt death. I thought for Parker, mm-hmm. uh, Parker Posey, because like her character was so good in this movie, and it was just kind of like, oh, she's dead, and like, because mm-hmm. um, I actually kind of forget that that she's dead in that scene when she falls through the w- the mirror. Like it's so brief. Like you expect her to come back. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so then Gail gets trapped, like, down below with an unconscious ghost face. And then she calls Dewey on the phone for help. And he's thinking that it's ghost face pretending to be her. Uh, apparently that scene was originally meant to be longer as well. Uh, she was meant to be trying to convince Dewey that it was her and not ghost face. Um, but this movie is long anyway. It's two hours. Mm-hmm. So it's like... <laughs> yeah, um... So then in the next scene, it's where Dewey gets the knife thrown at his head and the hilt hits him rather than getting stabbed right in the head, uh, which is a, a brilliantly goofy, hilarious moment. 
Um, so apparently uh, that idea came to Wes Craven because he says he's always seen knives and axes thrown in horror movies and they always like stick but he wanted to like scare the audience into thinking that Dewey was about to be killed nice. with a knife straight to the face but then in the last second the hilt hits him I just thought that was a, a wonderful moment uh, so next we're in the police station more Kincaid as Ghostface red herring bait um, Sydney gets a call from Ghostface then as he exits and then he tells her to go to the house um, and I just love Sydney um, oh, yeah, especially, especially in this third act in the film she's so good in it Like, I think she's my favourite character in this film mm-hmm. she's just so badass yeah mine too um, and she, she's wearing Derek's Greek symbols I necklace know. from Scream yeah. 2 apparently that was Neve's idea that was a good idea, though. It really yeah, was. Yeah, really nice. Uh, so then she gets to the house, and originally they were going to have like a house of horrors with all like the dead bodies of uh, the cast of Stab Three strung up everywhere, That'd and she really was going cool, like to discover them all time for one person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Again, extending an already long film, um, but yeah, instead they have uh, Galen Dewey tied up, and she rescues them and then shoots Ghostface. Again, he's getting shot so many times in this film. Um, and then Detective Kincaid pops up suspiciously after Ghostface disappears. Um, originally, Kincaid wasn't meant to show up again until the end. Like, after everything, there was meant to be like a, a morning after scene. Um, but they decided to throw him in here to kind of show you that, oh, it's definitely not him at this point. Because um, mm. Ghostface pops up and stabs him. Uh, and then Sydney shoots him again. And then Sydney finds a secret room. So, um, really cool note on this as well. So, Courtney Cox actually bought the hidden passageway bookcase and had it installed in her house. That's badass. So fucking cool. Um, so, then Ghostface fucks with Sydney again by doing the mum's voice. And he's showing video footage here. And he does some exposition. He, re- he reveals himself to be Roman the director, and the brother. Um, and I, Yeah, I like him as Ghostface. I think that he makes a good villain. Yeah, he did, but I feel like they didn't give him enough villain screen time. Yeah. You know, he, he didn't get the whole, you know, spiel, like, you know, the other two villains got to do their whole, like, this is why. His was very small. Yeah, because they focus on the whole, he's been making movies of his estranged mum. You know, mm-hmm. he shows all the cheating going on. You get to see, you know, Billy's dad and Cotton uh, all emerging from the same seedy motel room where she's doing a cheating. <laughs> and apparently, originally, um, they filmed all all the crew members coming out of that hotel room, like, one by one and kissing her and going away. Ah, oh, jeez, I'm glad I didn't put that <laughs> um, in there. Just... I think that was just for goof, goof's oh. sake. Uh, but, yeah, so it turns out that he showed this footage to Billy... And that made Billy want to murder her, basically. So, indirectly, he caused the murder mm-hmm. to his mum. Which is fine. I mean, what what did you think of that revelation? Oh, I thought it was good. I mean, it's it's a little extreme, you know. He's He's got a lot of mommy issues and <laughs> yeah. he takes it out in the most, the weirdest ways. And yeah. <laughs> I mean... Just, I like it. It does feel a little bit like clutching at straws. Like, what can mm-hmm. we do to sort of have a little twist on this mm-hmm. thing that is already very certain and wouldn't mess up 
the first film. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. But I do like his motivation. I like it, the line where he says, you're going to pay for the life that you stole from me. Um, and I, I like the way that he set up like the finale and the reveal for like on his birthday as well. Very mm. appropriate with the mother thing. So is he, f- from what from what I'm gathering from what was revealed, is he meant to be a child of that, um, uh, I want to say illicit activity, but that doesn't sound yeah. right either. But is he meant to be... Um, you know yes from that yes i believe so i think that that's where it was coming from because i mean he's he specifically um talks about the night in that room and drags yeah. her there so i think i think yes so i'm thinking is he meant to be significantly older than sydney then because at what point was she doing all of this this well, was meant to be in yeah, her she had, she young acting career right she had disappeared for two years prior to meeting her dad so yeah he's probably he's probably in his mid-30s and Sydney's probably in her mid-20s right yeah so she's, he's probably I, at least 10 years older than she is I thought the casting was pretty good because they look quite similar yeah yeah I, I agree like they could potentially you know be siblings be related yeah mm-hmm. definitely um, so yeah obviously this is the first and only time so far that we've only had one ghost face, no accomplices, mm-hmm. which I like. I do like that. Um, but what have I got next? Uh, he grabs, he brings out Milton. So he says, uh, this is the man who gave away your mother's innocence. And like says, and then reveals his plan to like frame Sydney for his murder. Mm-hmm. Um, and apparently uh, <clears throat> Scott, the guy that played Roman, actually threw the guy that played Milton to the ground like so hard that he bumped his head badly and hurt his hand um, so this, this poor dude his name's Lance, I can't remember his last name but he was actually badly injured from that scene and apparently wow. Scott felt really bad about it um, and Lance's wife was very upset about it Jeez. so this whole film was a fucking shit show yeah that's what it sounds <laughs> from like. start to finish uh, but yeah, we get a great fight between Sydney and Roman here, and then Roman shoots Sydney, um, and then I like here how it's flipped around on him because he turns away for a second and he turns back and she's gone, mm-hmm. and it's like a classic ghost face move, you know, like when you look back and he's gone, um, and then she calls him, uh, which is another cool little touch, and then she jumps out and stabs him, and another goof here, so she actually missed the pad on his back where she was meant to stab him and actually stabbed him for real with <gasps> with the prop. I mean, it's a prop knife, ouch. but that no, would still I hurt. So, ouch. Um, so his shocked reaction to being stabbed is actually real <laughs> in this scene. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, it turns out that she's wearing a bulletproof vest, just like he did. Um, and there's a really nice little scene where they have a moment where she's, like, killing him, and he's, like, laying there dying. I just think that's really cool. And I love how she lays into him. She's like, you don't kill people, you know. You do it because... Oh, what does she say? What's the line? I can't remember. Um, yeah, she's you do like, it because you choose to or something like yeah. that. Yeah. And she's yeah. just like, she won't... She's just like, I'm not letting you get away with all this just because, you know, my mom didn't want you. <laughs> Sorry, <Yeah>. buddy. <laughs> yeah, she's so fucking cool. And she just, like, totally, like, tells him what's what. 
and just fucking kills him. But then has that really odd, sweet moment where she's holding his hand where he's, when he's dying. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, shit. It's just... It's it's nice. I like it. Um, I, I honestly think it's a much stronger ending than Scream 2. Oh, for sure. Much stronger ending, yeah. Like, everything was kind of falling apart, but yeah, the ending kind of puts it back together. Yeah. And then we think he's dead, and then, of course, he jumps back up, and then Dewey, like, shoots him, like, six times, and then they're shouting, Head, Dewey! Shoot him in the head! <laughs> so good. I know. I love that. Um, At this point, Sydney's killed, what, two, three people? Um, Let me think. Uh, she, she killed him, she killed... Bill. Did she kill Billy? Yeah, she killed Billy, didn't she? She killed Billy, she killed Stu. She killed Stu. She, she killed, killed uh, Mrs. Loomis. Mom. Oh, no. She didn't kill Mrs. Loomis, did she? It no. Was, um, it was Cotton. Cotton did, yeah. And then, but she kills the... Uh, um, what's his face? The other killer in the second one. No, no. Uh, Mrs. Loomis killed him. But doesn't she do the headshot at the end? Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. He springs back to life as well, doesn't Mickey. he? Yeah. Mickey, that's what I mean. Mickey, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you're yeah, right. No, the ending's ending's really good. Dewey killing killing him. Yeah. I think this is that's where kind of Dewey's like um, probably thinks, okay, cool, I can go back and be a cop now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Headshot done. I killed somebody. Um, so then we get the final scene so all is well and it's so cheesy and I love it I do it. love this scene though um, I'm not gonna lie I really enjoyed this <laughs> Galen Dewey and she like gives he gives her the book with the ring in he's like if you sign it so and in this scene I'm gonna tell you something that'll bug you forever if you watch it oh, again no. David actually looks directly at the camera during this scene um, it's pretty obvious <laughs> oh, I didn't notice but... but I mean I love a happy ending so this was cool um, and then Sydney and a beautiful dog appears, and she opens the gates wide, um, and metaphorically doesn't set the alarm. It's all it's all about everything's fine Just, now. Mm. <laughs> and then it's got Sydney's theme playing in the background, but it's like triumphant and like not sad. It's cool. Um, yeah. So then she, the door swings open, and she just leaves it. She doesn't close it. She like it's irritated okay. me. I was like, you're <laughs> not gonna that. close your door. You don't have to lock it or anything. Just freaking. Close. Yeah, what happens if the dog gets out? Do you know what I mean? Like, at least oh. close the door. I mean, don't set the alarm. Fine, whatever. And but. then the fact that the cop was there, I was like, okay, so are they dating? Yeah. What is up with that? Why is he there? Well, they were they but, were saying in the commentary like, oh yeah, like he was a good like potential love interest for Sydney and the way they were acting together. I was like, I never got that. Like, I never got. Me neither. Ro- I just thought that he vibes. was kind of an annoying puppy towards her and. He's a bit of a creep. Yeah. yeah. So it was weird that he was there at the end. Apparently, they did shot multiple scenes with him in it, with him not in it, with him without the arm sling. You know, like. All these different options. So they mm-hmm. went for that one where he's like, "Come on, Sid, we're going to start a movie." She's like, "What kind of movie?" He's like, "You have to come and see." I know. I was like, "Okay." <laughs> it's like a really ambiguous, like, open ending. Um, and uh, I mean, at that point, it was to end the trilogy as well. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it was quite. I mean, I, I quite liked it, but apparently, David Arquette wasn't happy with the ending. He wanted to have like a chair jumper ending and have Ghostface break in and kill everyone. <laughs> I mean, that would have been kind of cool, but yeah. ridiculous at <laughs> exactly. the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I quite liked it um, as an ending. 
Um, and then the credits play and we get all the actors' names and the shots mm. of them as red right hands playing. Love that so much. And then we get Creed. Mm-hmm. This is the end for us, video? my friend. Oh my god, the music video. Right, let's talk about that. What a music video. Dewey. <laughs> so Dewey's in the music video, which is one of the worst music videos I've ever seen. <laughs> it's so terrible. I just don't know how David Arquette agreed to do that. Like, maybe it was in his contract or something. Oh I just don't know. It was, it's bad. But it's then bad. He's, he's, he's playing Dewey, and then Scott Stapp is there with his open shirt and his the fan on his face and his beautiful mm-hmm. hair in, blowing in the wind. You know, Scott Stapp, unfortunately, is not a good-looking guy. I don't no, find him not, attractive not, at all. But he thinks he is, and that's what's important. He's I mean, very yes, confident. Good for him. He's, he's so confident that he even gets soaking wet in this video with a shirt on for some oh, reason, right. as this girl like tries to seduce him. Uh, and this is quite like a raunchy music video. It's got quite like sexual scenes in it. As well. yeah, it's <laughs> it's like, you, like most of their music videos or all of their music videos are pretty cheese ball. <laughs> so cheesy. And then like basically the premise for this is what like Ghostface chasing after the the teens. Yes. As they're raunching around, um, and then at the end, it turns out that the members of the band are Ghostface, mm-hmm. and, it's... and they're like, "Ha ha ha, <laughs> jokes on you, funny." And then Dewey comes along, and, um, and then Ghostface jumps Dewey, and then it ends. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, it's a wild music video. I love it. <laughs> yeah, we should definitely uh, we should put some stills from the music video on there. Yes, <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but uh, so that's about it but before we go into final thoughts let's look at the soundtrack oh yeah 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 so it's a massive departure from Scream 2 um, it it moves away from like well good music I guess <laughs> and goes into like early 2000s new metal and hard rock mm-hmm. like it's moved away from like the late 90s pop rock and yeah, this this soundtrack is pretty rough, man. Like ninety nine percent of it is is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Saying that though, we start off with "What If" by Creed. That's a sick song, obviously. It's great. Um, then we get "Wait and Bleed" by Slipknot, which again, great song, but does not belong in the soundtrack. No. It was it was not in the film at all. I was say, that's not even in the movie. I didn't so, know that was on the soundtrack. Oh my god. I think that they looked at the soundtrack and went, oh, this isn't a strong soundtrack at all. We need like a really good track on there. Oh, we'll just stick Wait and Bleed in there. Like everyone loves that. <laughs> so, I mean, everybody does love I'll that song, the, but I'll you know. The tone. But this version of Wait and Bleed on the soundtrack is so weird because Corey Taylor is like singing it and not screaming it and it sounds really off. And like way too radio friendly. Oh, weird. I'll listen I'll, to it. Yeah, see if you can YouTube it because I've got the the CD, so I've got it um, on my iPhone. But yeah, I'm sure it's on. I'm sure, it's on YouTube. Um. So next we get "Suffocate" by Finger Eleven. No. Um, it's not a good song. Um, They're not a good band. I don't even think I've heard anything else apart from that one. Um, Spiders by System of a Down. Uh, I like System of a Down, so I'm not gonna say anything about it. It's about it's not their best song, so I don't know why it's on there. <laughs> uh, Automatic by American Pearl. Now I quite like that. I like the guitar at the start. It's quite a, quite a cool song, but it's quite vanilla. 
Um, Fall by Seven Dust. Not good. I forgot about Seven Dust. Ugh. <laughs> Time Bomb by Godsmack. Again, not, not good. Tyler's Song by Cold Chamber. Not <laughs> not a good song. They sound like a kidding. they sound like a budget like corn to me. Um, getting worse and worse. Oh no, it gets worse. So oh, no. real, so real by Static X. Oh no, atrocious song. <laughs> uh, Crowded elevator by Incubus. Again, oh, not even Incub- Incubus's best oh. song, so I don't know why it's on there. I hate Incubus. Uh, Debonair by Dope. Uh, totally I forgettable. I don't even remember it. Sunburn by Fuel. Oh, I uh, feel okay. I think that was okay. That one, from what I remember. Believe it or not, I literally listened to this soundtrack in work like not even two hours ago. So and I I've already f- I've already forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the next one I remember: "Get On, Get Off" by Powerman Five Thousand. Ooh, atrocious song. It sounds I like I forgot about Powerman Five Thousand. How did I forget about Powerman Five Thousand? I've never Blech. heard of them before. It sounded like it's it sounded like um, <sighs> Bloodhound Gang, but really bad. I want to say. I mean, uh, Power. I'm thinking that Powerman 5000 was the. I don't remember. They're they're related to a band, and I'm trying to think of who it was. It was it's either Rob Zombie or Static X. I cannot oh. remember. So somebody, if you know, well, it I makes sense if it was wrong, Static X. Let me know because that that would be why they're on the soundtrack. And might be Static X. Mm. I'm just trying to remember. I was really heavily into all that kind of stuff at this time. Yeah, life. maybe maybe you'd be into the soundtrack more than me because like Creed is about as heavy as I go. <laughs> oh, that's right. This I really is don't like heavy music. I love well, heavy music. I mean, saying that, I, I mean, I love Converge, like, but oh, I'm just not like. My not into... MySpace name was the Jane Doe, based <laughs> off of Converge. Nice. <laughs> um, so next we get "Wanna Be Martyr" by Full Devil Jacket, which. Um, it's not. It's not a good song at all. That's um, a stupid name. It's it's a it's a great song name and band name. <laughs> okay. now, now we get uh, dissension. I think that's how you say it by Orgy. Um, okay, I can deal with them. I don't like Orgy. I know Fieldmouse. He's an Orgy fan. I like but them. It's not my bag at all. Um, now we get Crawl by Stained again. Not a good Stained song. Um, I used to really There's like only, Stained. Like, I used to really like Stained too. Unironically but... as well. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I genuinely liked them. How Epiphany used to be one of my absolute go-to songs for years when I was growing up. I loved that song. Oh, man. I, I used to be so earnest and, like, cry over um, Outside by Stained. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> what, like, uh... I'd get drunk um... and, like, put it on and cry. I'm cutting this out. <laughs> <laughs> what is what is the singer's name? Aaron is that his name? Yeah. Didn't he like go and do like country music or something? I know he was a piece of shit as well, like Scott Stapp yeah. style. I don't know what he did, yeah. but again, he's not well, he's not cool, is he? A lot of those late '90s, early 2000s vocalists definitely were not, you know. Yeah. Great people. <laughs> not at all. Um, fun fact about Stain, though, I was so obsessed with them at one point that I. I did my art high school exam, my GCSE exam, um, based on their front cover for, is it Break the Cycle, with the tree on the front cover? Mm-hmm. Um, I did like a, I can't remember what I used, I think, did I paint it or did I use pastels or something? 
but I did that the tree the cover with the tree and then like a self portrait of, of of myself like stood in front of it. that's adorable <laughs> so so terrible do you I, still have it I wish I did I t- I'd totally take a picture and put it on the Instagram I but think that you need to just redo it I think I... you're just gonna have to do a modern day <laughs> rendition of it for me yeah I honestly I was obsessed with that album and it's so shameful but they do oh, have don't be shamed. they do I have could, a couple of good songs I could go off of I could go off on some horrible albums that I've loved in my life so it's so funny though going back to Creed um I was talking to Abby about it because we watched that video for um, What If, because that's on the Blu-ray, actually. She was a child when that music video was. Yeah, she was. She was like, I was five or something like that. Oh, no. And I was was like, oh, my God. I I said to her, like, it's so weird, like, the relationship I have with Creed, because I started out genuinely loving them, like, unironically. And then I ironically liked them. And yeah, now I'm too. back to like genuinely loving them again. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but they're so bad and funny, but I can't help but love them. Yeah, but uh, last year when um, the lockdown was happening, they did a video of them singing or of them playing, or at least Scott Stamp's band playing. Um, and you know, his, you know, people make fun of his voice, but in this video, I mean, he just, it was really clean and. Yeah. And he actually, you know, he can actually sing. Just people just make fun of his style, even though people don't make fun of, you know, um, uh, what's his face from Pearl Jam, you know? Oh, Eddie Vedder. Yeah, Eddie Vedder. Yeah, it's just like. But... Yeah, that's true. Very similar style. It's just because Creed are so easy targets. Like, yeah, Pearl and, Jam and are like the cool Creed, aren't they? Because like, the gu- <laughs> Creed are um, like Nickelback. Like everyone <sighs> loves to hate Creed, but Nickelback are good sucks. as well. <laughs> Wait sucks. a minute! No, they don't. They suck so bad. Yeah, they like suck I can't because they're genuinely good. That's the. Secret. They're not though. <laughs> I was enraged when I found out that Avril Lavigne had married Chad Kroger. I was like, that's like Avril. a joke. That Avril, come on. <laughs> but again, Him? Avril Lavigne, she's fantastic, I'm, I'm but like, she's bro, also you... bad. So they're perfect for each other. Oh, yeah, I guess so. But she married. She was with the, what's his face from Sum Forty One, like Derek. Not... Yeah, Derek. Oh, I love that pairing. <laughs> it didn't do him good, that's for sure. I think we're showing our age majorly with this whole conversation, so totally. I would like to end it. <laughs> so, well, that's appropriate. This is the end by Creed. Oh, is this the end by Creed? Oh, hang on, I've skipped one. So we've got Click Click by Ear Two Thousand, and absolutely. What? I was going to say abortion of a song, but that sounds too strong. But no, I'm going to stick with that description. It's an abortion of a song. Um, I've never heard the band before. and I never want to hear them ever again. Terrible. <laughs> and then we get Is This the End by Creed. Great, great track to close it out. And yeah, I love that it's bookended by Creed. But again, 99% of this soundtrack is total tripe. So oh, it's a shame because the first two soundtracks were so good. Um, actually, I'm interested to see the soundtrack for Screen 4 because I don't remember anything about it. I don't remember it. any of it either. But, yeah. That, but I think, I'm really excited for Screen 4 because yes. I really like uh, Rory um, Culkin a Yes, lot. it's got I a great cast. I just watched a movie with him. I can't wait to talk about it. And Emma, Emma Roberts, I just watched a movie oh. with... Actually, her, her and Rory Culkin, R- I just watched a movie. It was... 
them and Alec Baldwin and uh, Kieran Culkin. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was like a it was again an early two thousands like coming of age movie or mid two thousands coming of age movie. Ooh, what is that called? I might check that out. It was called Limelight. It was about Limelight. Yeah, it's about like people getting Lyme disease. I don't know. It's really weird. It, it, it's kind of boring, but I like these kind of movies a lot. You're not selling it. I'm being honest. I'm not selling it. <laughs> but to be fair, I will watch Alec anything Baldwin was with Emma Robertson. Mean. He was a mean dad in this movie. Oh really? So yeah. he was playing himself basically. I guess. <laughs> he didn't shoot anyone, I always anyone, liked Alec Baldwin, <laughs> but now, you know. Bang, bang. Um, yeah, killing people, and, you know. Um, so, yeah, final thoughts on this movie. What did you think of Scream 3 overall? Definitely, probably rated on the bottom of all the screams. Yep. Same for me. So far. So far. Can't, can't yeah. say anything, because we still have to wait for Scream 5. We do. Um... Sneaking suspicion it will take the bottom spot, but that's just me being yes. pessimistic. Um, Wait, but yeah, I mean, sneaking suspicion is that Scream Five is going to take the bottom spot. Yes, no. I, I don't. I don't have high hopes for it at I all. I have amazingly high hopes. For it. I'm <laughs> so excited. I just get all the like oh, this, when those posters just got released the other day. Oh, I yeah. want it all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Scream Three overall. I love this movie. Um, I'm well aware it has faults and I know it's not as good as the first two um, but I have a lot of fun with it you know and I rewatch it a lot um, but yeah I will admit that it ranks the lowest in the Scream franchise for me um, spoilers for next episode I guess uh, but it is also below Scream 4 um, and we shall see where Scream 5 places Um but, you know, in my opinion, the Scream franchise... I mean, we'll go into it in more detail when we wrap it up after on the, the Scream 5 episode. But um, the Scream franchise, to me, I think is the strongest franchise in the horror genre. Like, there's oh, not sure. there's not a bad Scream movie. Like, there's just, like, a least good one. And unfortunately, it's right. Scream 3. And I think a, a lot of that is because they keep the same people playing the same characters. Yeah, it's it's really consistent, you know. Yeah. And there's nothing else like that. I mean, the Halloween franchise is all over the fucking place. You know. Yeah, there's too many Friday different 13th, characters. Are just same. Nightmare Elm Street, and, same. Yeah. Um it's just Scream is just so consistent and they're all great movies. Um I compare it to the Harry Potter movies. You know, I'm probably going to get some flack for this, but I genuinely think that the Harry Potter franchise is the strongest set of films of all time. No. Because Mm-mm. they no. are... Negative. But... Have you well... seen Lord of the Rings? <laughs> oh, okay, Lord of the Rings, yeah. See, I'm not, not, not a big fan. Um, I know. I, I love, I, I love Harry Potter. And the thing with me is I'm not, I'm not a huge Harry Potter fan. Right. Like, I told you the other day, I didn't grow up. Like, I wasn't allowed to read them, wasn't allowed to watch mm-hmm. the movies, never saw any of the movies in theaters. Um, barely have seen... The I've seen like the first two probably more than any of the other ones. Yeah. But it's not something that I go out and like want to watch um, yearly like everybody else does. I don't really care. Oh no, I'm I'm constantly re- rewatching them. Like I'll get to the like me and Abby we will we will rewatch them all year long. We'll get to the end and we'll start again. Uh, we no. we tend to do it over Christmas too because I class them as Christmas films because there's at least one Christmas film and uh, Christmas scene in each film. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I compare Scream 3 to Order of the Phoenix 
it's a great movie, but it's the least good one in the whole See, franchise. I can't even tell you anything that happened in Order of the Phoenix. <laughs> it's a good I'm movie. Sorry. Check it out. <laughs> I mean, I've was... seen them, like I said. I've, I watched the death of, uh, of um, what's his name, Dobby. Mm-hmm. Um, when I worked at the movie theater, I walked in, like, just kind of seeing how many people were in there. Because um, I, like, I guess I was an usher or something that day, I don't know. But anyways, I walked in and I watched that scene and I was like, well, this is sad. I'm going to walk right back out. <laughs> yeah, Dobby's not a highlight. He's sort of the Jar Jar Binks of the Harry Potter universe, in my opinion. You know, I used to love Jar Jar Binks when I was a kid. I'm not even going to lie. Now, I well, don't really There we care. go. They did the job there because he was there for the kids, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah I guess so. But no, I, I've, I've always been a massive Harry Potter fan. Like, I started with the books when they came out and... I've never. I need to read them. Just I love the I've books so much that I used to get. Uh, they brought out little statues of the characters. So this was before even any of the films came out. Um, I had all these statues from the books from my room, which I loved. Uh, they were like my prized possession. Um, and then I they guess... brought the movies out, and I was like, "This is everyone looks different than I thought they would." <laughs> but... See, that's how I felt with Chronicles of Narnia. Like I was huge. My we grew up reading them all the time. Yeah. Like we'd have family sit downs at night, and my dad would read us the books, and we would start from first and go to the last. And so I, I guess maybe that's where I, I like Chronicles of Narnia a lot. Do you like the movies? No, the movies are trash, but. Because I love the book so much, then, you know, I'll still watch them. But they're trash. I guess we should wrap it up. I guess so. Yeah, um, continue to talk. It's two, it's one in the morning here. Oh, Jesus. Let's, let's <laughs> It's I'm, like, fine. starving had, right now. I've had my tea. It's all right. Um, so, shout out to all of our new listeners in the Woodsboro a... Horror Film Club on Facebook. Oh, yeah. Thanks for adding me to that. No problem. It is a nice facebook group which is I've so surprising seen, yes. um so shout out to leandro ton uh thanks for the support man i told you i'd give you a shout out uh, we'd love everyone in that group to get involved um it's such an exciting time to be a scream fan as well um and like i said before that group is significantly less toxic and way more welcoming and friendly than the halloween fans group that just, that just goes to show you just like, like <laughs> the caliber of horror movie fans yeah, the, difference. The, the difference so in scream crazy. fans to halloween fans yeah but it is it was it was shocking to me there's absolutely no abuse going on in that group which is alien to me i'm so used to the halloween fans group i mean they just annihilate everybody that even just steps foot in yeah. that group speaking of that group kyle what up man thanks for listening and uh constantly chatting to me about horror movies it's great to have you along for the journey um, Ryan Horn, obviously as well. Hope you had a good Hanukkah. Um, Zebel Bro on Instagram. Oh, uh, sorry, going back to Ryan Horn, I very much enjoyed watching uh, his Hanukkah outfit journey on yeah. uh, over yeah. the days. It was Some great. really cool sweaters <laughs> yeah. or jumpers, as you guys call them. Jumpers, yeah. Jumpers. Uh, shout out to Sadie and Katie. Welcome to Horrorland. Yeah. Um, I sent you the figures for that episode that she was on and it's just crazy she did such a great job being on I that know. episode and promoting it that we got our most ever listens on that one thank so you, thank Sadie. you thanks a million it's all we, because of you <laughs> it, it it really is because the scream 2 figures were not good 
<laughs> but um, yeah, we'll we'll have you back on for Scream Five if you'll come on, please. Uh, we need we need the numbers. We need the boost. <laughs> oh, Field Mouse said that he wants us to do a episode on Gremlins so he can come on next year. We we will definitely. We'll uh, we'll have you on for Gremlins. Um, you know what? We should totally get Ryan Horn on as well because he's a huge Gremlins fan. Oh really? Yeah. Let's do we'll it. Do it. We'll we'll have a four way next Christmas with Gremlins. That didn't sound good, did it? Um, <laughs> I wasn't gonna say anything. I'm just gonna. <laughs> Welcome to Horrorland. Go and follow them on Instagram at Welcome to Horrorland. Go and buy all their horror merch. It's awesome stuff. Uh, they've constantly got new stuff coming out and some very exciting scream news on the horizon. Mm, That's all I'm I saying. I bought that saw shirt for Kevin. Because like, he's surprisingly like, he doesn't have any saw shirts at all. Did you get your Buffy phone grip as well? I have. I bought it, yes. I got it. Sick. Yes. I'm excited for it to come in the mail whenever. Whenever the postman decides to yeah. ship it over. <laughs> God, please. Oh, speaking of that, right, let me tell you a little story about, um, well, if anyone watched my unboxing of Ashley's parcel, um, we talked about it on the last episode too, um, she put a shirt in for regular listener Daniel Cox, he also does the outro as well to this podcast, so I um, took it upon myself to deliver this shirt to Daniel in person whilst I was on my rounds, um, he wasn't in, so I thought it'd be a good idea to post it through his letterbox. Now, oh. that would have been great if I'd got his address right. Oh, no. But I, I totally posted it for his next-door neighbours. Nice. <laughs> I was like, shit, when will this fucking saga of this horror homeschool merch oh, end? I know. It's just, like, cursed, isn't it? So oh, yeah, I, that's hilarious. <laughs> so I wrote on a little note and posted it through the door. I was like, I'm so sorry, I posted this through the wrong house. Can you please send it over to your neighbour, Daniel? Um, and I was messaging him and he, I don't know if he hasn't, wasn't online for a few days but he didn't reply and I was like shit what is going on I was like I can't believe that it's got all the way from Ashley here just to get lost just to get else. fucked up by me at the last moment and I wouldn't mind but I post things through doors for a living so I'm a, pro- <laughs> I'm a professional postman and I fucked this up royally so I was like fuck so uh, eventually he messaged me and was like just let you know dude I've got it um, and at this point I was messaging his girlfriend Ella and everything I was like oh my god please it's gone to the wrong address blah blah, blah. and oh she wasn't god, answering was I was like fuck so anyway it's safely in Daniel's hands he's got yeah, it yeah he messaged me saying he got it because he was like oh Ashley said that she was going to have to refund me I was like oh it was a whole thing like if you if you listen to the podcast if you watch that video you'll see that that parcel has had a hard time getting <laughs> so anyway I thought I'd reveal that to you on the pod. That's hilarious. I love it. I got your uh, I got your shirt soaking in the red oh, right nice. now. So hopefully yeah. it'll come out. Kind of looked a little funky. <laughs> but I have another shirt on the way just in case. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, that's awesome. Do it just like Daniel's. His was great. Yeah. I'm trying to remember exactly how I did it, but... Post some pictures, Daniel. We want to see yeah, you in the please, shirt. Yeah, please, please, please. If you don't want to show your face, then just put like a little gif over it or something. Just put the ghost face face over it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you want to hear more from the musical maestro, Field Mouse, he did the theme tune for this, go to offbrandmusic.com to hear more of his solo music. 
and go to all of her twitch.bandcamp.com for his industrial band and uh, go over to leallegacy.com for podcasts and merch uh, who else have we got to shout out uh, regular listeners and friends of the pod John Howard Doc Longy on Instagram Meme King Owen Smith the hardest man to please in horror Ash Bowker and the other hardest man to please in horror JB um, go to talknerdy.uk for blogs and podcasts including this one Ash makes me laugh because we always like we'll end up like when when we're messaging about music or movies or whatever we always have like the same like thought process and I'm always like Ashes have to unite together we have to stick together all of us Ashes <laughs> nice um, what else have you got any shout outs you want to do Ashley obviously my sister uh, yo Bethany. what up my Bethany mama, my mama Cynthia what my up? friend Nicole hey Hello, Nicole, Nicole. Thanks to all of Ashley's friends and family for always being so supportive. It always just floors know, me. They how supportive don't even they are. like any of it. They're just like, oh, yeah. I'm just trying to be nice. And then eventually, like, six months down the road, they're like, oh, yeah, I forgot you had a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of your friends posted it that this was a most listened to podcast on yeah, Spotify Nicole, app. Yeah. So that was, was so like, cool. Was Probably like, the only podcast she's listened to, but still, it's really cool that she listens to it. I was geeking it. out. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Um, so yeah thank you everybody for listening next episode we will be back to talk about Scream 4 oh, so, so make sure you've watched that movie ready and come back to join us for that discussion um, go to horrorhomeschool.com for links to everything including all of our socials and where you can listen to the show and there you will also find a link to Ashley's Etsy scroll right to the bottom and click on merch still selling Horror Homeschool merch still got that yep. 20% off yep type in thank you all one word all caps uh, to get 20% off at the checkout um, and you can send in your comments and questions feel free to DM us on Instagram and Facebook we'll always chat back uh, you can email us at contacthorrorhomeschool at gmail.com and personal social media stuff you can follow me on Instagram at Chris J Wakefield and me underscore Baberham Lincoln underscore we will be back soon with another episode and remember Pop culture is the politics of the 21st century.